welcome to today's reading of 365 Bible Commentary for January the 16th. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this study. Thank you, Lord, that you promised to be in the midst of us when we acknowledge you. And Lord, we acknowledge you as Lord, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. You are the strength of our heart. You are the strength of our heart and our portion forever. Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. We bless you in the name of the Lord, family. Starting with Genesis chapter 32, verse 13 to 34, 31. Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Then he selected these gifts from his possession to present to his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ooze, 200 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He divided these animals into herds and assigned each to different servants. Then he told his servants, go ahead ahead of me with the animals, but keep some distance between the herds. He gave these instructions for the men leading the first group. When my brother Esau meets you, he will ask, whose servant are you? Where are you going? Who owns these animals? You must reply, they belong to your servant Jacob, but they are a gift for his master Esau. Look, he's coming right behind us. Jacob gave the same instruction to the second and third herdsmen and to all who followed him behind the herds. You must say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, look, your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought, I will try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. When I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. So the gifts were sent on ahead while Jacob himself spent that night in the camp. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he went. He sent all over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hips and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. He replied, Jacob. You will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. said, Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God's face to face, 
yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't need the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man was strained the tendon of Jacob's hips. Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and their children at the front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead as he approached his brother. He bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Then Esau looked at the women and the children, and he asked, Who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given to me, your servant, Jacob replied. And then the servant wives came forward with their children and bowed before him. Next came Leah with her children, and they bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel came forward and bowed before him. And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came, Esau asked. Jesus, Jacob replied, They are a gift, my Lord, to ensure our friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, No, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. Please take these gifts I have brought you. For God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Well, Esau said, let's get going. I will lead the way. But Jacob replied, you can see, my Lord, that my children are very young. And the flocks and the herds have their young too. If they are driven too hard, even for one day, all the animals could die. Please, my Lord, go ahead of your servant. We will follow slowly at a pace that is comfortable for the livestock and the children. I will meet you as seer. All right, Esau said, but at least let me assign some of my men to guide and protect you. Jacob responded, that's not necessary. It's enough that you receive me warmly, my Lord. So Esau turned around and started back to Seir that same day. Jacob, on the other hand, traveled on to Sukkot. There he built himself a house and made shelters for his livestock. That is why the place was named Sukkot, which means shelter. Later, having traveled all the way from Padam Aram, Jacob arrived safely at the town of Shechem in the land of Canaan. There he set up camp outside the town. Jacob bought the plot of land where he camped from the family of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And there he built an altar and named it El Elohi Israel. El Elohi Israel. Means the God, the God of Israel. God, the God of Israel. God, the God of Israel. One day, Dinah, the daughter of Jacob and Leah, went to visit some of the young women who lived in the area. But when the local prince, Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hebeite, saw Dinah, he seized her and he raped her. The man fell in love with her. 
and he tried to win her affection with tender words. He said to his father, Hamon, Get me this young girl. I want to marry her. Soon Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter Dinah, but since his sons were out in the field herding his livestock, he said nothing until they returned. Hammer, Shechem's father, came to discuss the matter with Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's son had come in from the field as soon as they heard what had happened. They were shocked and furious that their sister had been raped. Shechem had gone, done a disgraceful thing against Jacob's family, something that should never be done. Hammer tried to speak with Jacob and his sons. My son Shechem is truly in love with your daughter, he said. Please let him marry her. In fact, let's arrange other marriages too. You give us your daughters for our sons, and we will give you our daughters for your sons. And you may live among us. The land is open to you. Settle here and trade with us and feel free to buy property in the area. Then Shechem himself spoke to Dinah's father and brothers. Please be kind to me and let me marry her, he begged. I will give you whatever you ask. No matter what dowry or gift you demand, I will gladly pay it. Just give me the girl as my wife. But since Shechem had defiled their sister, Dinah, Jacob's son responded deceitfully to Shechem and his father in Hammer. They said to them, We couldn't possibly allow this because you're not circumcised. It would be a disgrace for our sister to marry a man like you. But here's the solution. If every man among you will be circumcised like we are, then we will give you our daughters and we'll take your daughters for ourselves. We will live among you and become one people. But if you don't agree to be circumcised, we will take her and be on our way. Hammer and his son Shechem agreed to their proposal. Shechem wasted no time in acting on this request, for he wanted Jacob's daughter desperately. Shechem was a highly respected member of his family, and he went with his father, Hammer, to present this proposal to the leaders in the town gate. These men are our friends, they said. Let's invite them to live here among us and trade freely. Look, the land is large enough to hold them. We can take their daughters as wives and let them marry ours. But they will consider staying here and becoming one people with us only if all of you, our men, are circumcised just as they are. But if we do this, all their livestock and possessions will eventually be ours. Come, let's agree to their terms and let them settle here among us. So all the men in the town council agreed with Hammer and Shechem, and every male in the town was circumcised. But three days later, when their wounds were still sore, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, who were Dinah's full brothers, took their swords and entered the town without opposition. Then they slaughtered every male there, including Hammer and his son Shechem. They killed them with their swords, then took Dinah from Shechem's house and returned to their camp. Meanwhile, the rest of Jacob's son arrived, finding the men slaughtered. They plundered the town because their sister had been defiled there. They seized all the flock and herds and donkeys, everything they could lay their hands on, both inside the town and outside the fields. They looted all their wealth and plundered their houses. They also took all their little children and wives and led them away as captives. 
Afterwards, Jacob said to Simon and Levi, You have ruined me. You made me sink among all the people of this land, among all the Canaanites and parasites. We are so few that they will join forces and crush us. I will be ruined, and my entire household will be wiped out. But why should we let him treat our sisters like a prostitute? They retorted angrily. But why should we let him treat our sister like a prostitute? They retorted later. Okay, let's go ahead and read the, the commentary, please. It says, Jacob must have been amazed to see Esau change of heart when the two brothers met again. Esau was no longer bitter over losing his birthright and blessings. You know, God had blessed him. He had 400 men that followed him to the amazing and said he was content with what he had. Life can bring us some bad situations. We can feel cheated as Esau did, but we do not have to remain bitter. If we let it, bitterness can cheat us out of more than we lost in the first place. Instead, we can remove bitterness from our lives by honestly expressing our feelings to God. Did you hear that? You tell God that you hurt. Instead, we can remove bitterness from our lives by honestly expressing our feelings to God, forgiving those who have wronged us and seeking contentment with what we have. It is not easy and it does not usually happen instantly, but God can graciously remove bitterness and replace it with contentment. Amen and amen. God can graciously move bitterness and remove it with contentment. Amen. Um, I had a situation way back in my middle that I was, I met a gal, we went to church, and sure enough, we thought that maybe God was putting us together. I got a hold of a ring and all kinds of things. And like you know, anything else, it was going way too fast. And, and well, God bless her, but I got on my knees and, and, I, and I took my hurt heart to the Father. You know, even the parents of the girls came up to me and they told me that uh, it was not going to be a suitable thing. It wasn't on, on my part, but they just knew the, knew the hearts and they saw the condition. And then I, I got on my knees and I cried out to God. And uh, the, as a father, I took my hurt to him and he fixed me up. He strained it out. He took my pains and fixed it. And I was not bitter. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and do a commentary with uh, our recovery Bible. See what it has to say about that long chapter on Esau and, and the girl. And Notice how the people wanted, wanted their flocks. You know, they wanted all the resources that the Jacob and his sons had. Shechem did. All right. Oop, I got the wrong Bible here. I honestly have about, well, don't matter how many Bibles I have around them. I can't read them all at once at the same time, right? It's just what I have in my hand right now. All right, here we go. 20... Years prior to these events, Jacob had run away from Esau, afraid of his life. Jacob had no way of knowing whether his brother Esau had experienced 
healing from old wounds and resentments. Since he did not know, he had to make elaborate preparations for reestablishing contact. Jacob's example in this chapter gives many helpful hints to those of us seeking reconciliation with people we have hurt in the past. Wow, that's a lot of reconciliation, huh? He just loaded it up on him. Loaded up the gifts for safety. Although Esau does not genuinely delight to see his long-lost brother, Esau does seem genuinely delight, I'm sorry, to see his long-lost brother. We can only speculate about his true feelings. The happy reunion certainly didn't signal the end of the brothers' feud. Conflict between their families continued throughout Old Testament times. The book of Obadiah records the joy that Esau's descendants, the Edomites, expressed over their Israelites' defeat. Obadiah and Israelite also joyfully announced the doom of Edom. Even in the New Testament, the hated family of Herod traces lineage back to Esau. Some conflicts are not easily resolved, but if they are left unresolved, they can become a burden to generations far into the future. Wow. Wow, isn't that something? Long-awaited healing, step nine, 12-step devotional. We may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Returning to someone who we have hurt is a scary thing. The passing years, lack of communication, and memories of anger and hateful emotions, exchanges can all create tremendous anxiety. Even though we may make some contact with the third party, there will, will still be tension until we see that person face to face. This was the case of Jacob upon returning to Esau. Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. Then Jacob went on ahead. Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and threw his hands around his neck and kissed him. And they both wept. After being introduced to Jacob's family, Esau asked, And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came? Jacob replied, They are a gift, my lord, to ensure my friendship, my brother. I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself, but Jacob insisted. No, if I have found favor with you, please accept these gifts from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like the face of God. Please take these gifts I have brought to you, for God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Jacob's tremendous fear gave way to relief. The last time Jacob had seen Esau, Jacob was in fear of his life. With the passing of time, both of them had changed. When Jacob faced his brother, he found that there was still affection, even though they both remembered the pain. There was still affection, even both remember the pain. Amen. <clears throat> All right, let's talk a little bit about the rape. But before that, I was hoping that they would talk a little about, about the angel and the changing of the name Israel. You know, the the significant thing, I think Prince of God, Israel, the name means, but the idea is, is that what the words we say have an impact. Remember Jesus said that every man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What's up with that? That means that the words that we're using on each other 
should be established already in the Bible. <clears throat> what am I saying? Am I supposed to talk like this? Hi, Jack. May the blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. How are you? <laughs> How was the game last night? Something in that nature. But in reality, we just watch our words and we use good words and they're, and they're all related to God's words. Good words, pleasant words are related to God's words. Nothing like, like it kills me or I myself have to be watching my words. People call me and they're going through situations and I got to watch my advice that it, it be uh, God's advice. Amen. All right, let's move on to the, uh, the act of rape, which is always hideous in itself, but the consequences are usually just as heartbreaking. And this occurrence, rape, led to the deception, ultimate to murder. Dysfunctional patterns and the acts that result from them feed cycles of deepening destruction and hurt. Someone has to choose to break the cycle and begin the process of recovery and healing. Vengeance belongs to God, and when an individual takes revenge, no matter how just the cause may be, there usually are serious consequences. Because of the deception and slaughter of the Hebeites, Jacob and his family became extremely unpopular with their neighbors because they were a small clan at this point. Such a situation put them in grave danger. In recovery, revenge is extremely counterproductive. It only breaks down the reconciliation process that is necessary for personal growth and heavy relationships. Amen. And you can see people having revenges. You can tell when a person has, hasn't let go of done the steps properly. Uh, they're always uh, want to find fault with a conversation you had with someone or get over on someone. If someone in every conversation is always trying to uh, argue with you or get over with you, he has unsettled uh, fourth and fifth steps, unsettled amends, writing down, and, and, and forgiveness is a forgiveness issue. And it's the spirit of uh, backward faith thinking that if I look backwards and use my faith, I can fix an offense. You know, but the best fixing is to write it down, put it in an envelope, and praise God for it. Act like it's a good thing. There is a reward in doing that process. There is a reward. God is a just God. He will reward us if we start praying for the person for the Psalm 23 and letting it go and cleaning up our side, cleaning up and turning over our acreage, our hearts plowing the ground through prayer and, and writing and letting the Lord take care of the situation. As long as we're saved, we're going to heaven. That's one thing we can, we can see in value at, at what it should be. That's why Jesus said you should forgive them seven times 70. I said, you got it made, guy. The guy offended you with $10, and here God has given you $10 million. You got more than enough. The Lord has been surely gracious with us. Take it. We have more than enough. I wish I could learn now and let go and, and let go and let God. Let God be God. Amen. Amen. 
In other words, I still have to find some people and make some amends, pay some back rent I didn't pay when I was a young man. You know, it's not that much, but the people are not here. But I have to look for their descendants and find them. In Jesus' name. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Matthew. Thank you so much for hanging in me with me. Let's go ahead and pray another prayer. Let's pray the uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. The Lord restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for the Lord thy God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. The Lord has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Lord has anointed my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. When they say he's anointed my head with oil, he's anointed us with Christ, his own son, with the oil and the office of Christ. We are certainly filled with the joy of the Lord. Amen. All right, reading Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 30. In this particular passage, in what sense we're going to talk about was Jesus' yoke easy. A yoke illustrates the challenges, work, and difficulties of pattering with Christ in life. A yoke is when responsibilities weigh you down, including the effort of staying true to God. Remember that Jesus' yoke remains easy compared to the crushing burdens of sin. And that's what they are, crushing burdens of sins. Jesus doesn't offer you a life of luxury and ease. The yoke is still an oxen tool for working hard, but it's a shared yoke and weight falling on bigger shoulders than your own. Someone with more pulling power is beside you sharing the load. Suddenly you are participating in life's responsibilities with a great partner, Jesus himself. And the, Amen. And the way I do it, folks, I just get up early in the morning and get into the books, get into the Bible. And took a long time to discipline that. And it's easier to open a book and read through there than be under the crushing burden of sin. Like bewilderment, hatred, and activity, or trying to work to pay your rent so hard. <clears throat> the Lord will give you the words that you're churning. The, the words that we are churning, that is our our existence, our disease, our reward, our disease. Preventive maintenance towards the disease. Amen. In Matthew, as John's disciples were leaving, Matthew 11, verse 7, Jesus began talking about him, about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go out into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No people with expensive clothes live in palaces. 
Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scripture refers when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the laws of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophet said would come. Anyone with ears to hear will listen and understand. To what can I compare this generation? It is like the children playing in a game in the public squares. They complain to their friends. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend time eating and drinking. And you say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For ah, if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves with burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it will still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleases you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chose to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That was Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 30. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for these readings today, Lord. We thank you that you have entrusted everything to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. And no one knows truly the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have chosen us to reveal you who you are, who your Son Jesus is, as, as our Lord and our Savior. Our, our warrior, our commander-in-chief, 
our friend, Lord. Hallelujah. Our healer. Amen. Our peace. Amen. And then the prayer that Jesus says, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleases you to do it this way. Amen. Amen. I'm glad we received this. And let's go ahead and... uh, we already talked about that his yoke is easy to bear and the burden is light. And that's his yoke is, is what we're doing right now. Listening, pondering, and reading. That's the that's the hardest part we have as, as Christianity, folks, is to get into the Word of God and be ready in season and out of season. Amen. Praying for the Psalms. Seek God in prayer and ask Him for wisdom. Rejoice that wisdom has come from Mount Zion, and rescued the world. Wow. Amen. Um, I like that statement that says uh, that wisdom is shown to be right by its results. So when we get the wisdom of God, it is shown to be right by its results. Reading the Word of God, praying, it shows to be right by its results. Amen. So let's stay at it. Okay, Heavenly Father, we seek you, Lord God, and we ask you for your wisdom. Hallelujah, that we may rejoice that your wisdom has come from Mount Zion and rescues the world. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you for that wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalms 14 says, Only fools say in their hearts there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. The Lord looks down from heaven and the entire human race, and he looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Will those who do evil never learn? They eat up my people like bread and wouldn't think of praying to the Lord. Terror will grip them, for God is with those who obey him, The wicked frustrate the plans of the oppressed, but the Lord will protect his people who will come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel. When the Lord restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy and Israel will rejoice. Amen. Interesting that it says right here, Jacob and Israel. Wasn't Jacob's name changed to Israel? When the Lord restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy, and Israel will rejoice. Amen. All right, Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth, and the dew settled beneath the night sky. Amen. And I prophesy that by the Lord's wisdom, The Lord will give us contentment and ease, his love and his peace. Amen. Singing a song unto the Lord, praising his name for his greatness. 
We give him glory and honor. Praise be to God in the highest. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's meeting on Fernando Alcoholic. Let's go ahead and pray with the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept those things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you, everyone, for checking in. We're going to be reading uh, daily reflections today for uh, see how far we get. We're going to start with January 15th and then head it forward on incredible resources that I gathered together. And I like to read ahead of time before I go to a meeting. I hope you feel the same way too. Let's go ahead and start. It says January 15th. An unsuspected inner resource. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Again, with few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Akakulamans, page 567 and 68. From my first days in AA, as I struggled for sobriety, I found hope in these words from our founders. I often ponder the phrase, they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource. How I ask myself, can I find the power within myself since I am so powerless? In time, as the founders promised, it came to me. I have always had the choice between goodness and evil, between unselfishness and selfishness, between serenity and fear. That power greater than myself is an original gift that I did not recognize until I achieved daily sobriety through living the AA 12 steps. Amen. Again, it says, how I ask myself, can I find the power within myself since I am so powerless? In time, as the founders promised, it came to me. I have always had the choice between goodness and evil, between unselfishness and selfishness, between serenity and fear. The power greater than myself is an original gift that I did not recognize until I achieved daily sobriety through living the AA 12 steps. Amen. Okay, and our next one is hitting bottom. Why all this insistence that every AA must hit bottom first? The answer is that few people will sincerely try to practice the AA program unless they have hit bottom. For practicing AA's remaining 11 steps means the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no alcoholic who is still drinking can dream of taking. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 24. Hitting bottom opened my mind and I became willing to try something different. What I tried was AA. My new life in the fellowship was a little like learning how to ride a bike for the first time. AA became my training wheels and my supporting hand. It is not that I wanted to help so much at the time. I simply did not want to hurt like that again. My desire to avoid hitting bottom again was more powerful than my desire to drink. In the beginning, that was what kept me sober. But after a while, I found myself working the steps to the best of my ability. I soon realized that my attitudes and actions were changing. 
if ever so slightly. One day at a time, I became comfortable myself and others, and my hurting started to heal. Thank God for the training wheels and supporting hand that I chose to call Alcoholic Anonymous. Happiness comes quietly, our next reading. The trouble with us alcoholics was this. We demanded that the world give us happiness and peace of mind in just the particular order we wanted to get it, by the alcohol route. And we weren't successful. But when we take time to find out some of the spiritual laws and familiarize ourselves with them and put them into practice, then we do get happiness and peace of mind. There seems to be some rules that we have to follow, but happiness and peace of mind are always here, open and free to everyone. Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, page 308. The simplicity of the program teaches me that happiness isn't something I can demand. It comes upon me quietly while I serve others. In offering my hand to the newcomer or to someone who has relapsed, I find that my own sobriety has been recharged with indescribable gratitude and happiness. All right. Would a drink help? (laughs) This is coming from 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 23. It says, By going back in our drinking histories, we could show that years before we realized it, we were out of control, that our drinking even then was now no mere habit, that it was indeed the beginning of a fatal progression. When I was still drinking, I couldn't respond to any of life's situations the way other more healthy people could. The smallest incident triggered a state of mind that believed I had to have a drink to numb my feelings. But the numbling did not improve the situation, so I saw further escape in the bottle. Today, I must be aware of my alcoholism. I cannot afford to believe that I have gained control of my drinking or again, I will drink. I have gained control of my life. Such feelings of control is fatal to my recovery. Fate has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. Round the clock fate. Alcoholic Namas, page 16. Again, fate has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. The essence of my spirituality and my sobriety rests on a round-the-clock faith in a higher power. I need to remember and rely on the God of my understanding as I pursue all of my daily activities. How comforting for me is the concept that God works in and through people. As I pause in my day, do I recall specific concrete examples of God's presence? Am I amazed and uplifted at the number of times this power is evident? I am overwhelmed with gratitude for my God's presence in my life of recovery. Without this omnipotent force in my life, in in every activity, I will again fall into the depths of my disease and death. Whoa. Now reading for the 20th of January. We pause and ask. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought of action. Humbly asking my higher power for the grace to find the pace between my impulse and my actions. To let flow a cooling breeze when I would respond with heat. To interrupt fierceness with gentle peace. (coughs) To accept the moment which allows judgment to become discernment to defer to silence when my tongue would rush to attack or defense. I promise to watch for every opportunity to turn to my higher power for guidance. 
I know where this power is. It resides within me. As, as clear as a mountain brook hidden in the hills, it is the unsuspected inner resources. I thank my higher power for this world of light and truth. I see when I allow it to direct my vision. I trust it today and hope it trusts me to make all effort to find the right thought or action today. Amen. And January 21st, serving my brother, the member talks to the newcomer not in a spirit of power, but in the spirit of humility and weakness. Alcoholic Namas comes of age, page 276. Again, the member talks to the newcomer not in a spirit of power, but in the spirit of humility and weakness. Hmm. As the days pass in AA, I ask God to guide my thoughts and the words that I speak. In this labor of continuous participating in the fellowship, I have numerous opportunities to speak, so I frequently ask God to help me watch over my thoughts and my words, that they may be true and proper reflections of our program, to focus my aspirations once again to seek His guidance, to help me be truly kind and loving, helpful and healing, yet always filled with humility and free from any trace of arrogance. Today, I may very well have to deal with disagreeable attitudes or utterances, the typical stock-and-trade attitude of the still-suffering alcoholic. If this should happen, I will take a moment to center myself in God so that I will be able to respond from a perspective of composure, strength, and sensibility. Amen. That's really uh, neat. I like this. I seek His guidance. One of the things that came to my mind is the seven-step prayer. I believe that Bill said that before he went on, and God did answer the prayer because of his incredible speeches and recordings of Bill W.'s talks. You know, just amazing. I had to come through another source of God. He gave us instructions, uh, admonitions, humor, and interesting his, and inspirational, his talks. And the seventh step prayer goes, I, God, or it starts, excuse me, starts out, my creator, my creator, I am now willing for you to use all of me. <laughs> I, okay, my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength that I go out from here and do your bidding. Amen. The one thing that pointed out to me is the way this last uh, statements talked about that I pray that God helps me to reflect this program. You know, proper reflections of our program that I may be true and proper reflections of the program, to focus my mind on aspirations once again, to seek his guidance, to help me truly be kind and loving, helpful and healing, yet always filled with humility and free from any trace of arrogance. And you know, folks, that is beautiful because I find out that when we get behind the podium, we can be arrogant, we can not be helpful, we can, our words can destroy. Our words are not loving. And they're not kind. But to to give the right word at the right time, this has to come from God. 
Anyway, I hope you enjoyed these sharing and we pray. Let's go ahead and pray out with the uh, third step prayer since we said all three of them. We will be saying all three prayers. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, of thy love, of thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Keep coming back, family. You're loved. January 16th, up in Montbali, reading the Word of God, enjoying the snow, listening to Joseph Prince singing. Thank you, Father in Heaven, giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, your glory and your honor, Lord, in this day, in Jesus' name. Thank you for the reading of today. January 16. Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Genesis 32, 13 to 34, 31. <clears throat> Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Then he selected the, these gifts from his possessions to present to his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, <clears throat> 200 ewes, ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. He divided these animals into herds and assigned each to different servants. Then he told his servants to go ahead of me with the animals, but keep some distance between the herds. He gave these instructions to the men leading the first group, when my brother Isu meets you, he will ask, Whose servants are you? Where are you going? Who owns these animals? You must reply, They belong to your servant Jacob, but they are a gift for his master Esau. <clears throat> Look, he is coming right behind us. Jacob gave the same instructions to the second and third herdsmen and to all who follow him behind the herds. You must say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, look, your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought, I will try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. When I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. So the gifts were sent on ahead while Jacob himself spent the night in the camp. And during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons and crossed the Jabbok river with them 
After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he had, he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out, out of his socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied, then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising at Jacob as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. Then Jacob looked up, and he saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and the children at the front, Leah and her children, Next, Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead as he approached his brother. He bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. <clears throat> then Esau looked at the woman and children and asked, Who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given to me. Your servant, Jacob replied. Then the servant wives came forward with their children and bowed before him. Next came Leah with her children, and they bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel came forward and bowed before him. And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came? asked Esau. Asked. Jacob replied, They are a gift, my lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, No, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. Please take these gifts as I have brought you, for God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Well, Esau said, Let's be going. I will lead the way. But Jacob replied, You can see, my Lord, that some of, my, of the children are very young, and the flocks and herds have their young. Two, if they are driven too hard, even for one day, all the animals could die. Please, my Lord, go ahead of your servant. We will follow slowly at the pace that is comfortable for the livestock and the children. I will meet you as seer. All right, Esau said. But at least let me assign some of my men to guide and protect you. Jacob replied, That's not necessary. It's enough that you receive me warmly, my lord. So Esau turned around and started back to Seir the same day. Jacob, on the other hand, traveled on to Sukkot, 
There he built himself a house and made shelters for his livestock. That is why the place was named Sukkot, which means shelter. Later, having traveled all the way from Padam Aram, Jacob arrived safely at the town of Shechem in the land of Canaan. There he set up camp outside the town. Jacob brought the plot of land where he camped from the family of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And there he built an altar and named it El Olehi Israel. El Elohe Israel. Chapter 34, verse 1. One day Dinah, Dina, the daughter of Jacob, and Leah went to visit some of the young women who lived in the area. But when the local prince, Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, saw Dina, he seized her and raped her. But then he fell in love with her, and he tried to win her affection with tender words. He said, to his father Hamor, get me this young girl, I want to marry her. Soon Jacob heard what, that Shechem had defiled his daughter, Dinah, but since his sons were out in the field herding his livestock, he said nothing until they returned. Hamor, Shechem's father, came to discuss the matter with Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in from the field as soon as they heard what had happened. They were shocked and furious at their sister had been raped. <clears throat> Shechem had done a disgraceful thing against Jacob's family, something that should never be done. Hamor tried to speak with Jacob and his sons. My son Shechem is truly in love with your daughter, he said. Please let him marry her. In fact, let's arrange other marriages too. You give us your daughters and our, for our sons and we will give you our daughters for your sons and you may live among us. The land is open to you. Settle here and trade with us, and feel free to buy property in the area. <clears throat> then Shechem himself spoke to Dinah's father and brothers. Please be kind to me and let me marry her, he begged. I will give you whatever he asks, no matter that dowry or gift you demand. I will gladly pay it. Just give me the girl as my wife. But since Shechem had defiled their sister, Dinah, Jacob's sons responded deceitfully to Shechem and his father, Hamor. They said to him, We couldn't possibly allow this because you're not circumcised. It would be a disgrace for our sister to marry a man like you. But here's the solution. If every man among you will be circumcised like we are, then we will give you our daughters and we'll take your daughters for ourselves. We will live among you and become one people. But if you don't agree to be circumcised, we will take her and be on our way. Hamor and his son Shechem agreed to their proposal. Shechem wasted no time in acting on this request, for he wanted Jacob's daughter desperately. Shechem was a highly respected member of his family, and he went with his father Hamor to present this proposal to the leaders of the town gate. These men are our friends, they said. Let's invite them to live here among us and trade freely. Look, the land is large enough to hold them. We can take their daughters and wives and let them marry ours. But they will consider staying here and becoming one people with us only if all of our men are circumcised just as they are. But if we do this, all their livestock and possessions will eventually be ours. 
Come, let's agree to their terms and let them settle here among us. So all the men in the town council agreed with Hamor and Shechem, and every male in the town was circumcised. But three days later, when their wounds were still sore, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, who were Dinah's full brothers, took their swords and entered the town without opposition. Then they slaughtered every male there, including Hamor and his son Shechem. They killed them with their swords, then took Dinah from Shechem's house and returned to their camp. Meanwhile, the rest of Jacob's sons arrived, finding the men slaughtered. They plundered the town because their sister had been defiled there. They seized all their flocks and herds and donkeys, everything they could lay their hands on, both inside the town and outside in the fields. They looted all their wealth and plundered their houses. They also took their little children and wives and led them away as captives. Afterwards, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have ruined me. You made me stink among all the people of this land. Among all the Canaanites and parasites, we are so few that they will join forces and crush us. I will be ruined and my entire household will be wiped out. But why should we let him treat our sister like a prostitute? They reported angrily. Retorted. Retorted. Okay, Matthew uh, chapter 11, <clears throat> verses 7 to 30. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they said, Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And violent people are attacking. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one of the prophets said would come. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. To what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complained to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance. And we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking. And you say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say he's a gluten and a drunkard. And a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, <clears throat> clothing themselves in 
burlap and throwing ashes on their heads so to, sh to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No. You will get, go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in the wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Amen. Psalm 14, 1-7 Only fools say in their hearts, there's no God. They're corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Will those who do evil never learn? They eat up my people like bread and wouldn't think of praying to the Lord. Terror will grip them, for God is with those who obey him. The wicked frustrate the plans of the oppressed, but the Lord will protect his people. Who will come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel? When the Lord restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy, and Israel will rejoice. Amen. In Proverbs 3, 19-20, says, By the wisdom... The Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth, and the dew settles beneath the night sky. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father God, for today's reading. We thank you, Lord God, that reading out of the Psalms, we seek God in prayer, and we ask him for his wisdom. <clears throat> rejoice in the power, and we rejoice in the love that you have available to us, Lord, through Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you that wisdom is coming from your mountain of Zion Amen. and rescues us, Lord. And that wisdom is Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Uh, let me read the, the study. In the, the Old Testament says, Jacob must have been amazed to see Esau's change of heart and when the two brothers met again. Genesis was no longer bitter. Esau was no longer bitter over losing his birthright and blessings. Instead, he was content with what he had. Life can bring us some bad situations. We can feel cheated, and, as Esau did, but we don't have to remain bitter if we let it. Bitterness can cheat us 
out of more than we lost in the first place. Instead, we can remove bitterness from our lives by honestly expressing our feelings to God, forgiving those who have wronged us, and seeking contentment with what we have. It is not easy, and it does not usually happen instantly, but God can graciously remove bitterness and replace it with contentment. It's a very good point. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the other point I wanted to make here <laughs> that was really good. Um, when the when he was wrestling with the angel, uh -huh. and he asked the angel to bless me, notice the kind of blessing. Uh, now, Jacob already had the blessing given to him from... Uh, His dad. Yeah, the blessing. Because <laughs> you could tell that he was just multiplying and multiplying and multiplying, okay? And that was an incredible amount of herds that he gave. Can you imagine the, the amount of, of procession it was? I mean, you're talking about, I don't know, maybe uh, 10,000, 15,000 maybe 20,000 of people and cattle and everything. It was a whole city that was that was uh, traveling upward. But the main point I want to do is when Israel named, uh, when Israel, when he got the new name as Israel and the angel blessed him, you see, that was the blessing. The blessing was in, in the name Israel because the name Israel means prince, right? Prince of peace or something. So when he changed his name Israel, Today, there's a nation called Israel, and, it, and it's a blessing. And from there, you know, there's not a nation called Jacob. His name was changed. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I, I, I'm into working with other people, and they come in with these nicknames, and really the nicknames, all they do is curse them. Hmm. I ask them to, you know, instead of Richie, to be a grown-up and call you Richard. You know, a Billy to call you Robert. You know, investigate their names and tell them to use their grown-up names because they're 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 being cursed. What did you get, honey? Well, it's interesting. You say the angel came, but this this says man. It was a man who came. Interesting. Yeah, but then if you read further. That then he said, I, but then he realizes it's God. He says, I've seen the face of God. Wow. Well, people think, you know, it's a really interesting passage, but it's wonderful to see that... Uh, <clears throat> you know, this is way out there. It's something yeah. that happened in the spirit. He probably went into into yeah. heaven and, and uh, just held on to that angel or, or the presence of God and won, you know. Yeah. Um, his spirit, I don't know. Is this the one where they said, um, where he laid his head on a rock? This is when or he was it? going towards her, yeah. Okay. And he, played, he named the place... Uh, Bethel. Yeah. Which means house of God. When he saw the angels coming and going out, he, he was yes. he was close to that area, okay. I think. 
And he noticed that he didn't go where he told Esau he was going to go. He went to his own place. Yeah, he... For one of the things, he wanted to appease him and wanted to be left right with him mm-hmm. and didn't want to harbor any injustice, you know. He wanted to make sure with his gift that his his safety would be ensured for years and years to come. You know, an extremely brilliant man, he paid for it ahead of time, over, over and above. Yeah, so, you know, it just, again, like we talked about uh, last in the last chapter, where, you know, he really was a man of integrity, you know, with Laban. Right? Yeah. And, um, he, but he just insisted, he said, but Jacob insisted, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift for me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It's like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift I brought you, for God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And that was an amazing gift that uh, he got. You know, he's going overboard. And finally, Isu agreed to, re- to accept accept the gifts. And what did he give him? An incredible amount of, of uh, uh, livestock, right? Yeah, and it's amazing how much he had. You know, how much was it? Ten percent of his flock? Mm-hmm. Did he give him? I mean, was it ten percent? <clears throat> well, you know, you figured how much 220, was it? Two hundred twenty. Four twenty. Four forty. Or seventy, or seventy five ten, five twenty, five forty, five fifty. So he had five hundred and fifty. Looks like. So that's only ten percent. He multiplied that. He had like uh, five thousand five hundred and fifty. Ten percent um, of five thousand is five hundred. So you got, you know, enormous amount of. Uh, that's what he gave him. Give him five fifty, right? enormous amount of resources but the amazing thing is he had 10 bulls you know how do you keep the bulls unless they're young bulls and they're following their mother that's how you keep them you know from trampling on people (laughs) it's just an amazing story and there he built an altar and named it El Elohi so what is El Elohi I wanted to I don't know if you look at that translation, shouldn't it be El Elohim? Probably the same. Mm-hmm. But that's 20. Let's see what it says right here for 20. Elohim, Israel, means God, the God of Israel. He named that after he got his socket pulled out of place, though. No? Did it? Well, after his socket was pulled out of place, that's when they called him Israel, a different yeah, name. Yeah, we know that one. But we're talking about the El Elohim, and there he built an altar. It says, Jacob brought, bought the plot of land where he camped from the family of Hamor, Hamor mm-hmm. the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And there he built an altar and named it El, oh, Elohi, which Israel. means Israel. Yeah, which means uh, the God, the God of Israel. Means God, the God of Israel. El, Elohim. It's like double L, L dash L, O He. El means God, mm-hmm. and then the God, El 
again of Israel. God, the mm-hmm. God of yeah, Israel. Amen. Beautiful. Feels good saying it, too. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting how they, uh, they really, they, those people that did this bad thing, you know, in reality, they wanted all their resources. Mm-hmm. You know, very soon all their flocks would become our flocks. And oh, so yeah, far, that's you know? right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of God justify it, you know, that uh, everybody, I mean, they they took everything and they even stole the, 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 the mothers and the, the, and the kids and, mm-hmm. and used all them. their belongings. Yeah. All right, uh, Matthew, chapter 11, you ready? 28 to 30? 27, or 7 to 30. I know I'm going to read from Matthew 11, 28 to 30 okay, on yeah. today's study. Okay. In what sense was Jesus' yoke easy? A yoke illustrates the challenges, work, and difficulties of partnership with Christ in life. When responsibilities weigh you down, including the effort of staying true to God, Remember that Jesus' yoke remains easy compared to the crushing burdens of sin. Jesus doesn't offer you a life of luxury and ease at times. The yoke is still an auction tool for working hard, but but it is a shared yoke, the weight falling on the bigger shoulders than your own. Someone with more pulling power is beside you sharing the load. Suddenly, you are in partnership and life's responsibilities with a great partner, Jesus himself. I once had a vision of Jesus' shoulders on the cross, and there were there were no blood on it, and they were full of muscles, you know. Just his shoulders. Like that. On his shoulders, he can handle anything. Um, what did you get of it? Um, the beginning, what... It says there, it says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart. And that's where you're going to find rest for your soul. Mm. Um, because his his yoke, it's easy to bear and the, and the burden he gives is light. So we have to always remember when you have a situation and it's too much for you to handle, give it to give it to Jesus. He's 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 got the burden. Wow. And look at that. <laughs> Interesting. But he's, it'll teach you, you know, as you go through the burden or the problem, it will teach you. He will teach you what he wants to teach you to get to where he's taking you. That's really, really wonderful because you, you opened up uh, something I haven't seen. Yeah? Yeah. He's, he <laughs> goes, Take my yoke upon you. Let, mm-hmm. me, let me teach you my words because mm-hmm. I am humble and gentle. So mm-hmm. we become humble and gentle. And because of these words that you're, you're reading, you will find rest for your souls. Yeah. My, in other words, my words are easy to bear, and the and the burden I give you, I it, it's light. Right. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Amen. And another thing, when you look at the the yoke, that kind of is what binds the ox together, right? So when it, they're <coughs> yeah, you look yeah, at the well, picture of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, you know, picture of the ox in one of the Gospels. I don't know if it's Matthew's or I forget who's, which one, represents 
you know, Jesus also as the ox, strong, you know, mm -hmm. being able to carry the loads. Mm -hmm. And um, so um, going back to the beginning of Matthew, um, the part I, I know maybe you can shed some light on this is, is, I tell you the truth, all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. So, so you're talking about a born-again person yeah. and a non-born-again right. person. And not a born-again yet. Because yeah. Jesus hadn't died and yet. And John died before Jesus mm. he went to the cross. Yeah, because it says here, For before John all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. Right? Amen. And, and all of a sudden John became part of that. Mm -hmm. You know. And, you know, um, the other thing is... Um, I know the scripture says, you know, what, what I, the way I've heard it, it says, uh, the kingdom of, of, the kingdom suffers violence. Um, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing, and the violent people are attacking it. So, I've heard, this is a different translation, it would probably behoove us to look at another one, but I always heard, they kind of go hand in hand. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So I don't, right here when I'm reading this, that's not what that, that seems like people are attacking. As the kingdom of God is advancing in this, in this time, people attack, they're being attacked violently because of the, the you know, the belief in Jesus, you're believing in Jesus. So, you know, I mean, if you look at the world right now, it's not really honoring Jesus the way Jesus deserves. So... You know, it's more like you Jesus freaks, you holy rollers, you prosperity pe preachers. You know, they they just seem to. Yeah, I, I so I don't know if that's right on what I'm saying. I, I that's something we should look into a little bit more and another translation because. <clears throat> well, you know, uh, yeah, you know, since what what I hear is and what I'm reading. It sounds like it's mm -hmm. the Pharisees that are attacking it. Mm, yes. Non-believers uh -huh. and the teachers of the law. Mm -hmm. And because it says, and from the time of John the Baptist, remember they went and started, who are you, John the Baptist? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Yeah. Uh -huh. Began preaching up until now, see? Mm -hmm. And from the right. time of John until right now, the kingdom of God, that's short period. Uh -huh. In other words, the idea of the kingdom of God that is at hand has been forcefully advancing. Really good. Forcefully. In other words, people are saying yes to the kingdom. People are... And violent people are attacking it. Who's violent? The same people that attacked Jesus and knocked him down mm -hmm. and crucified him? This is a beautiful. We can read it in another translation. Yeah, I think but it's, it's worth it. But in context... It makes sense. If you take it out of context at once, because yeah. mm -hmm. I tell you the truth, you know, and, and this, so that means yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Because what happened? He just learned that, that, is that when they, when they, they told him that they chopped, that, that John is dead? Mm-hmm. I think so. We, we, I don't remember reading that in the lesson. That, uh, <clears throat> a messenger ahead and will prepare the way for you. I tell you the truth. Okay. 
you know, John the Baptist made a big deal, you know, people mm -hmm. were flocking to him, and he was mm -hmm. talking about the kingdom of heaven, and, and it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit at birth, too. Mm -hmm. uh, the kingdom of heaven is greater, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is, because they're going to be just like Jesus, and Jesus is greater than John. And from that time, 11, and from that time, John to now, John knew that because of the Holy Spirit, he was preaching the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, baptizing, and people mm, have been repenting. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People have been saying yes to the kingdom mm -hmm. of God. They've been cleaning their souls, making the way before him. A messenger. I'm sending you a messenger. A messenger carries the exact message of Jesus. Yeah. A messenger is preparing the, the, the way for Jesus. He's getting the people ready. It's been advancing, but violent people, and that has to be the, he had all, always had trouble with who? The Pharisees, teachers of the law, are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this event, this present time. Okay, and that's when the kingdom of God will be in. And if you're willing to accept what I, what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophet said would come. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. We, uh, we need to read it in a couple of translations to get a little more light on that. Yeah, and then as you and as you read further. It says we've played ready. To what can I compare this generation? It's like children. Playing a game in the public square, they complained to their friends, We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. What do you think? Well, you're still talking about the same people. Yeah. But then it says, For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, and you say he's possessed by the demon. The son of man, on the other hand, eats and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. In other words, wisdom by actions is shown right by its fruit on the, on the tree. Amen. So let's see what another translation says. Uh, Matthew 11, 7 and 30. I got the easy to read version. Okay. Before John came, the law of Moses and all the prophets told about these things that would happen. The truth is that John the baptizer is greater than anyone who has ever come into this world. But even the least important person in God's kingdom is greater than John. Since the time, I guess, being born again, right? Since the time John the Baptist came into now, God's kingdom has been going forward strongly. Okay, advancing, okay. And people have been trying to take control of it by force. Okay. Before John came, the law of Moses and all the prophets told about the things that would happen. And if you believe what they said, then John is Elijah. He is the one they said would come. You people who hear me, listen. What can I say about the people who live today? What are they like? The people today are like children sitting in the marketplace. One group of children calls to the other group. We play flute music for you, but you did not dance. We sang a funeral song, but you were not sad. 
Why do I say people are like that? Because John came not eating like other people or drinking wine, and people say he has a demon inside him. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and people say, look at him. He eats too much and drinks too much. He's a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right but what it does mm. by its actions. Mm. Okay, would you like a little more light into that? Mm -hmm. Let me give you the Good News Bible. Okay. And we go back. I'm glad it's not a long one. When you went out to see John in the desert, what did you expect to see? A blade of grass bending in the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed up in fancy clothes? People who dress like that live in palaces. Tell me, what did you go out and see? A prophet? Yes, indeed. But you saw much more than a prophet. For John is one of, of whom the scripture says, God, God said, I will send my messenger ahead of you to open the way for you. I assure you that to open the way for you. I assure you that John the Baptist is greater than anyone who has ever lived. He's talking about all the prophets in the past. He's talking about all the other prophets that Even ever a, lived. Yeah. A prophet indeed, to open the way. but you saw much more than a prophet mm. to open the way for you. Mm. I assure you that John the Baptist is greater than anyone who's ever lived, but the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John, from the time John preached his message until this very day, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violent attacks. The violent man tried to seize it. Until the time of John, all the prophets and the law of Moses spoke about the kingdom. Until the time of John, all the prophets and the law of Moses spoke about the kingdom. And if you are willing to believe their message, the, the past people, John is Elijah, whose coming was predicted. Listen then, if you have years. Now to what can I compare the people of this day? They are like children sitting in the marketplace one group shouts to another, we played wedding music for you. But you wouldn't dance. We sang funeral songs, but you wouldn't cry. Then John came. He fasted and drank no wine, and everyone said he has a demon. When the Son of Man came, he ate and drank, and everyone said, Look at this man. He's a glutton and drinker, a friend of tax collectors and other outcasts. God's wisdom, however, is shown by, by tr true by its results, by its fruits. Wisdom is shown, God's wisdom, however, is shown by its truest results. Mm -hmm. Okay, one more. Let me go to the Message Bible and see uh, if you can. So it's like, it's kind of like the extreme. Like, John the Baptist did not, um, he wasn't out there eating and drinking, you know. But then they compared Jesus and said, well, Jesus was out eating and drinking with the wrong people. Mm -hmm. So either way, they're not happy. Either way, they say this about the person, or you know he's demon possessed, and you, you're you know, a gluten and you're a drunkard. So it's like your roles are you're molding these people into your legalistic ways. Sounds to me like people who were trying to tap into it and, and make money out of uh, was already there. You know, they're trying to take it violent by force. Control freaks are trying to yeah. control the crowds. Mm -hmm. When John's disciples left, Jesus started, one more, talking to the crowd about John. What did you expect when you went out to see him? In the wild, a weekend camper? Hardly. What then? A sheik in silk pajamas? Not in the wilderness. Not by a long shot. What then? A prophet? That's right, a prophet. Probably the best prophet you will ever hear. 
He is the prophet that Malachi announced when he wrote, I'm sending my prophet ahead of you to make the road smooth for you. Let me tell you what's going on here. No one in history surpasses John the Baptizer, but in the kingdom he prepared for you he prepared you for the lowliest person is ahead of him. For a long time now people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. Mm, they try to force it on their own ways, their self righteous ways. Force themselves into God's kingdoms. But if you read the books of the prophets and God's law closely, you will see them culminate in John. Team him up with him in preparing the way for the Messiah of the kingdom. Look at it in this way. John is the Elijah you all been expecting to arrive and introduce the Messiah. Are you listening to me? Really listening? How can I account for this generation? The people have been like spoiled children whining to their parents. We want to, to skip rope, and you were always too tired. We wanted to talk, but you were always too busy. John came fasting, and they call him crazy. I came feasting, and they call me a lush, a friend of the riffraff. Opinion, <laughs> opinion polls don't count for much, do they? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. I think this is this goes along with what we were talking about the road of, of Demaeus. You were talking earlier because it's talking. That's right. A prophet, the best prophet ever. It all culminates. Everybody was talking about this opening, this door mm, of the yeah. kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, it says mm. Moses. They all, they all the Old Testament and the prophets always mentioned what was going to happen in the kingdom of God was going to open. John was going to usher. Yeah, so, the Messiah in. He's the one that got that role. Opening it for people, the lowliest person ahead of him. Okay, but in the kingdom, he prepared for you the lowliest person ahead of him. For a long time, now people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom in their own way. Mm. For a long time. But if you read the books of the prophets and God's law closely, you will see them culminate in John, teaming up with him and preparing the way for the Messiah of the kingdom. Beautiful. Amen. Very well said. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, the next part in Matthew talks about how he, Jesus began to denounce the towns where he did so many miracles. And because they hadn't repent, people didn't, even after seeing all those miracles, people did not repent. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, and it said, what sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida, for if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented their sins long ago. You know, and um, so, gosh, it was such a privilege to have Jesus in your midst. You know, the kingdom at hand is right here, right now. I'm your Messiah. You know, we could take this thing right now, have no sickness, no disease, no poverty, no lack, all peace and joy with, with the Messiah. Just believe who he is, and that didn't happen. So it says that, you know, uh, they saw so much. How awesome is that? Um, and then the people of Capernaum, will, will, it says, will you be honored in heaven? No. Will you go down to, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, wicked Sodom, it would still be here today because they would have repented. Um, 
And I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. Wow. And where's the prayer? Where did he pray? He said, Oh, Father, Lord of Heaven, in number 25. Um, oh, Father, Lord oh, yeah. of Heaven and Earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Oh, keep going. My father. father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Amen. That's a prayer right there. Over here, it says, abruptly Jesus broke into prayer in the message, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You conceal your ways from sophisticated and know-it-alls, but spell them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique Father-Son operation coming out of the Father and Son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Amen. Amen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out of religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavier or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Amen, amen, beautifully amen. Beautifully written and said. Thank you, Hannah Barbera. We are wonderfully doing the, the works of God. Oh, oh. Amen. Would you like a pear? Yeah, I like a pear, honey. I'm still recording. What oh. else you got? An apple. apple. An apple? And okay. a pear. Whatever you like. Well, the pear kind of looks like... It looks nice. It looks nice. Nice color. Who gave us the pear? Uh, the Bundys. And who gave us the apple? It came from the Lord. It came from the Lord, from the Diocas? Yeah, the Diocas. Bundys and Diocas. Yep. All right. Thank you.